Ladies and gentlemen, here we are on the flagship episode of this podcast, yet to be named, associated with the cooperative you know and love, Alt Media United. That's right, Alt Media United, with podcasts like Tinfoil Hat, The Higher Side Chats, and even The Grimerica Show, of which today's guest is one co-host, Darren Grimes and Graham Dunlop, Graham Dunlop being today's guest, uh, are the hosts of the Grimerica Show, a podcast that's been going on for uh, a decade plus, I think a, a little bit more than a decade. Maybe I'm wrong there. I should probably have done my homework. But either way, here we are on Alt Media United's first official podcast. I have done Alt Media United's po- style podcast before, but I have a new co-host, first co-host for this show, someone who is going to be here uh, for every interview, at least in the intro, someone who's been on my show before. Uh, He hails from the great north. Uh, His podcast is titled Forum Borealis. I know him as Al, but the YouTube commenters know him as the AI. Al, how are you today, brother? (laughs) Greetings from the north. (laughs) Right on, right on. And we should mention your show, man, which is, I love the title, one of the most... um, Fitting, uh, no, maybe not fitting, but humorous at least. My family thinks I'm crazy. Mm. Oh my God, you really scored with that title, man. Mm. Speaking of titles. Yes, we were speaking of titles, and and thank you for for mentioning that. I think this is appropriate for the first episode to maybe both of us share how we decided on the title of our podcast. And I was saying before we started recording that Graham Dunlop was a big inspiration uh, for me to get into podcasts, I found the Grimerica show pretty early on as a, a podcast listener, and uh, I was really struck by a lot of the concepts they shared in their show, namely synchronicities, and when I started to notice all the synchronicities in my life mm-hmm. and, and really started to follow them and, and follow my intuition, it became more and more apparent, something that I had really known my whole life, but uh, it become it, it had become evident by then that my family thought I was crazy. And the title just <laughs> struck me like lightning one day. And, uh, and I actually hadn't recorded the first episode before I, you know, I, I came up with the title first and then recorded the first episode, which is the opposite right. of what you did, I guess, right? You, you said you yeah. recorded a few episodes and then... Yeah. Now, but, but by the way, speaking of synchronicity, cue that... And let's circle back to it, okay? Because I have a crazy synchronicity for you. But uh, no, uh, how did I get up with my... Yeah, the Borealis thing. See, I have used that in other ventures earlier. Ventures that wasn't alive anymore. So I wanted to use that. Obviously, it means northern. Or actually, it means fresh breeze from north. Or Borea means fresh breeze from from north, it's from ancient Greek, and Borealis is north, and so that's why everybody thinks of the aurora borealis when they hear borealis, but they they kind of misunderstand because the aurora is the lights. So you have uh, aurora australis, which is the south pole lights, right? And then you have the aurora borealis, which is the northern lights. Now, those are the most famous because people can see more over them. 
You can see Aurora Australis from Argentina, I think, and maybe also South Africa very, uh, or, or New Zealand very rarely. But they are, it's, it's, it's further from them to their pole than it is from people. So more people live in the Northern Hemisphere and closer to the North Pole. So that's why Aurora Borealis is more famous. Yeah, so that was one of the things I had in mind. And forum, I mean, I forgot now exactly the definition, but if you look it up, it's like an arena for ideas, discussions, exchange of... Uh, and, and everything from a discussion club to a school to us. So I think it was very fitting, actually. And it, it sounds good on the tongue to Forum Borealis. It sounds like something that I think is a full name. So it just came to me uh, when I decided to. So, yeah, you're right. I started with, oh, welcome to the show. But everybody who knows my show knows that I, and, and people do this differently, but this is one way to do it. You do the recording and then you uh, s- uh, stick on. Uh, separate recording introducing the show. That's the format I started with and I've stuck to it because it works. So I ha- always have a post and a pre-commentary and the pre-commentary mm. is introduction of the show. That's why I never have to waste time mm. on uh, getting the guest to talk about himself. I think that's a boring part. Mm. That's part of why I did that. Plus I wanted to give them the best, I honor my guest with very thorough introductions and presentations. In fact, I went too far the people started to complain, man, your introductions is up to 15 minutes now. <laughs> it's like an ent- Wikipedia entry. <laughs> so I, I scaled it back to eight minutes. But right. I, 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 I want to stick to my guns for eight minutes because if they don't have the patience to listen, th- then they then they just out for a quick fix. They're just out to get their endorphins spiked. They just need something fast. Mm. I'm not for the junk food. I do long form, as you know. So at least listen, if you're going to listen two hours, three hours long form to a person, at least know something about that person. So you, uh, maybe you can tune out because uh, you're not convinced of his background or something. So uh, yeah, th- that's how I do it. Mm. Yeah, I love this. I think I sort of had a, a, a different, way different approach than I do now. And I've adopted that format over time. I can't quite pin down exactly which episode I started uh, doing that, but you know, I started episode one with basically no knowledge of how to record a podcast. I recorded it on a on an app that I downloaded from the Google Play Store on my Android I heard phone. One of your first episodes. Yeah, so you know that episode <laughs> was pretty. You know, a lot of room noise. You heard the atmosphere of my backyard. Uh, my you windows were open from that. Yeah, so you know the shows evolved and. What I like about this show and what we're going to do is it is a forum similar to your show, a forum of ideas. We want to specifically focus on where free speech and alternative uh, thinking or alternative thought fits into uh, truth, technology, live streaming, you know, podcasting specifically by talking to podcast hosts podcast experts, people who are technically capable and involved in this uh, world. And of course, uh, you'll hear from myself and Al. And, you know, I don't talk that much about this kind of stuff on my own podcast. So I really like the opportunity here that we can get into the more technical aspects while also sharing sort of the behind the scenes about our particular podcast. Because I know a lot of listeners have uh, reached out to me about, hey, I want to start a podcast. What do you recommend I do? 
And I love getting those types of emails, but obviously with putting out two to three shows a week, I don't have uh, all the time in the world to respond to everybody. So this uh, show here is going to function in a way where, you know, folks who are tuning in may be uh, just fans of podcasting. They may be new listeners uh, uh, who are ready to start their own podcast, uh, or maybe they're already seasoned and they have a podcast with episodes out and they want to upgrade what they're doing and even stay up to date because we do want to focus on news and and what's changing. Uh, There's all this talk about podcasting being a a billion dollar industry, and that may or may not be true depending on who you ask. I haven't gotten any of that money yet, but... uh, You know how it is. Uh, 1% earns uh, 999 million, and the rest is sharing the... But we're going to talk about that kind of stuff here and, and, and focus on, you know, specifically the alternative podcasts that aren't going to be featured on, let's say, Spotify's recommended list of podcasts or even in, unfortunately, the uh, top listings. My show, thankfully, has made it to the top 10 in the philosophy category in the United States. So hmm. I don't, I'm not saying uh, I, I have a reason to brag or anything, but I do know what I'm doing enough to get a show <laughs> into the top 10. In- where, where, where do you measure these things? Uh, first of all, I never <laughs> trust those lists. Some of them are rigged, by the way. Uh-oh. Um, especially the recommended stuff. It's the same algo bullshit that YouTube uh, has. But I, I, I checked uh, one, I forgot the name. I saw that I've been uh, going in and up out of the top lists for different countries. So and that's what you get when you're an international show, right? So I, I can was at the I c- UK. Oh well, if but you're I've never been a top in, in Norway, where I'm from. Yeah, <laughs> no, well, a it's in your own country, which it, is actually the meaning of the title of your show. It's just the statistics magic. That's all you know. There's just yeah. less people there, but uh, or less listeners of podcasts, maybe. But um, but. I where I found that out originally was with chartable.com and chartable can give you all these statistics and you know you pay yeah, for but the are they harvesting from all outlets well either way I don't really care when I go to Apple podcasts in the app I'm in the mm. top John when I go to the philosophy genre my podcast is number whatever chartable tells me it is and then when I go into there's a few other podcast apps that uh, I've used that use the same list that Apple provides uh, for rankings. So if you're not an Apple phone carrier like myself and you have an Android device, uh, you could use CastBox. And CastBox is basically just a mirror of what's on Apple. Uh, And again, you know, I just look in there and I'm in, generally I'm I'm between number 20 and number nine. Nine is the highest I've ever ranked uh, in the United States. But I'm I mean, That's not again, not something. not to to brag, but it is it is a, a, an achievement, and uh, absolutely, and the show. But this is great, man, because see, <laughs> see, you know stuff about podcasting. We mm. just heard that, you know, all these. I didn't even know these things about cast book and whatever, <laughs> but. Because I'm co- you coming straight from podcast. I'm coming from that other thing, mm. YouTube. Right. Those right. video platforms. They have a different. Like I was shocked when I realized, huh? Podcasters have to pay 
They have to pay. In YouTube, we get paid. Of course, we were all spoiled from the golden age of YouTube, right? <laughs> but this is great because together we contribute to different approaches to having what you call alternative. You know I hate that word. Uh, I prefer the word independent. Mm. We're going, of course, Alt Media United was a name uh, conceived uh, far oh, but that's, before this show. So we're staying with it. That's the thing. The podcast cooperative is comprised of, for the most part, independent podcasts. I think yeah. a few podcasts within the cooperative are part of like networks, which is fine. There's no competition or anything like that. So we're not worried about that. But the idea uh, of an independent podcaster is somebody who self-hosts, right? And and you're absolutely right. I started with my podcast and kind of put all my energy there rather than YouTube because I had a YouTube channel. Uh, I had a YouTube show that I did. And just like seeing how few views it got and then also seeing how public yeah. it was, how few views I got. I'm just yeah. like, I'm not going to start on YouTube. I'm just, I, I, I see. I'm going to build my audience something. on podcasts. <laughs> yeah, mo most people don't know uh, what happened here, but I do. And what happened is that uh, you will take note that the podcast craze started after YouTube stopped being YouTube. And if you look at the market today, there is uh, what YouTube used to be. It used to have several features that is now branched out. Like TikTok has run with, taken and run with a part of what YouTube used to do, which was, look, we use a platform for any random dude, a girl who want to share makeup tips, whatever. It's like, we're not serious. You're not coming here for long clips or deep shows or anything. So they took that segment of YouTube, YouTube, right? Tube your, yourself and run with it and very successful, but not the entire YouTube concept because for example, YouTube didn't interfere. Uh, and in um, TikTok, they are super censored. Despite that, it's actually bigger than Google now, which is great. It's a Chinese conspiracy, by the way, but that's another matter. But the point is, podcasting existed maybe even before YouTube, I don't know, but very, very early, but it never became big. Why? Because everybody was going to YouTube. There was no point in podcasting yourself. Those who did podcast themselves, they really meant something with it. Like Alex, or, or the third wheel on this triarchy running the Alt Media United, Alex Akiris of Skeptical, we should give a shout out to him too. These things w wouldn't even be um, exist without him, but absolutely, he started very seriously. I want to inquire into this subject matter, blah blah blah. So that was what podcasting for podcast was for the nerds, basically, and uh, <laughs> YouTube was for anyone. But then they started throttle it in 2015, 16. More and more people were peeled off. It was harder to harder to get anywhere. You was it in 17? When was it you got a bright idea of contributing? Was so seventeen, eighteen? No, 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 no. 19, I did. 20. I I needed the uh, the COVID thing to kick me in the butt and uh, and get me out oh, of you my baby. Yeah. From the. Oh yeah. Okay. So, but anyway, so you you started YouTube and you saw Jesus, nobody's listening. Well, actually, um, that's that. Let me clarify. Yeah. So I started with YouTube in twenty eighteen. I did a little show. And then it kind of fizzled out by 2019. And then around then, um, 
I had okay. I wasn't that far off. I said seven. Yeah, yeah. But then by 2020, like the right at the beginning of 2020, I did a show with Sam Tripoli, uh, and that was before the whole COVID thing spilled out. So, uh, so yeah, that's when I my first show ever podcasting was with Sam Tripoli, and it was for his right. uh, for his Patreon content. And then I did that like six or seven more times. And then eventually Sam hired me, and that's when I told my family, like, hey, I quit my job because I'm going to work with this guy and do podcasts. You're crazy. And they're like, you're crazy. And, yeah, that's when the show title kind of dawned on me uh, in that exact yeah, but, moment. but this is my point. Because <laughs> in 18, it was too late. The ship has sailed. Uh, I was lucky. I've been saying this many times. I got in in 15, and that was right like it was, I, I got my foot in and then they shut the door hard behind me. So I had a little time to just boom, because it was all about meritocracy in the early days. It was all about, and it, you know, YouTube will recommend your videos and if it was good, people stuck with it. So it was so easy to become huge. All these people who are huge today, they're not necessarily better than anyone else. But it's that they were lucky and started early. I'm talking about YouTube now. Kind of the same is true for, for podcasting. Like those who were early, where you were big, like Joe Rogan was early. That's why he was big. Uh, Skeptical was super early. I think he started in, uh, was it seven or nine? But my point is, when YouTube wasn't a viable outlet anymore, people started to look elsewhere. And podcasting was then the only left free uncontrolled space where anyone could do it. And that's when they started, you know, the joke that everyone's a podcaster. It was exotic if you were a podcaster before YouTube screwed up everything. But after YouTube screwed up everything, then it became a cliche to be a podcaster. Nobody was mm. impressed anymore. But and still it's the last free space of independent media. Uh, there's some censoring and we're going to discuss that in many, many shows onwards. I think censorship will be, at least because of the zeitgeist, it will be a recurring theme. But let me also clarify something so people don't misunderstand from the outset. Uh, something you said in the intro. This uh, flagship show of Alt Media United is not going to be me and Mark uh, like... Uh, masturbating each other about their own shows. It sounded like that was what you were saying. I know that's what not, not what you were saying. Yes, we're going to contribute a little about insider stuff from ourselves, of course, because this is a business, uh, an industry insider thing, but we're going to have representatives of oh, the yeah. union, of podcasters, and not just hosts, all sorts of cre creators. Right. Well, and I, I, I just care. meant I in, in the intro segment here, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, the, the point is for us to learn and, and share the journey with people who are listening whether they have a podcast or not yeah absolutely right on. so uh, you'll, you'll get a lot of insider uh, info from t tips and tricks you learn our voice you learn our, our what works um, yeah we want to educate each other and we want to educate also the audience uh, I think it's too esoteric sometimes I see often random idiot comments and questions from people who have no clue what this is about. Like just today, someone said, oh, you're just into it for the money. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. If I was into this for the money, I would do almost everything differently. No, I'm not talking about the show itself, but everything around the show. Mm. Uh, if anything, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting myself in the foot, commercially speaking. And I can very easily see who 
in our trade, in our line of business, is actually into it for the money. That's much easier to see when you're oh, yeah. a creator yourself. Don't well, you and, agree? and we want to show people that too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is a, and what you were saying before about alternative versus independent, I agree with you. I, I prefer independent in that context, but in, in a certain context, I would disagree because we want this alternative idea space to grow beyond the limits that it's in right now. We want people to start businesses around this stuff. We want this industry to grow because the more mainstream some of these alternative ideas get, the faster the world we're living in is going to change for the better, in my humble opinion. I mean, that's kind of why we're in this and, and what you meant about shooting yourself in the foot. It's like, yeah, we're, we're sort of like uh, starving artists in a sense with the podcast <laughs> yeah. in some cases. I will say... The goal of Alt Media United has always been to help people also understand how to monetize this in this space because I think that's a big reason why these types of ideas get suppressed in the first place is monetary mm. suppression is a big part of it. And the Internet gives us the freedom to do uh, things that the, the monetary suppression system can't stop you from, from doing. It's just we have a lack of education for the most part and, and a fear mindset that gives people, at least here in the States, gives people this sense of like, well, if I do something uh, where I'm my own boss, you know, I'm, that's too risky. I could, you know, risk not making enough money, lose where I'm living, et cetera, et cetera. You know, people have this fear that... Uh, if they strike out on their own and step out in the world with their foot forward, they're going to get, you know, struck down. And, and my experience has been the opposite. The As soon as I quit my old job and started doing this, sure, it's been hard. Sure, I'm not, you know, driving a Porsche yet, but uh, but I'm, I'm making more money than I was last year because I've stuck with it and uh, and, and learned what to do correctly versus uh, what to do incorrectly. And, yeah, there's a cheap easy you know way to, to just do this for the money uh, but I think balancing that sort of business mindset with the idealism that brought me here and most of us here in the first place is you know sort of the skill set that I'm trying to grow because I, I, I don't want my family to think I'm crazy for my whole life I mean if they think I'm crazy <laughs> for my whole life it means that I've failed you know because right. Because I want to show them that, no, you can be successful even if you go outside of the bounds of what yeah, society defines as success. Yeah. yeah. yeah but, and and don't you, let me... You Americans always regard success as money. But look, <laughs> Alex, uh, our third uh, uh, gray eminence here, he would say that, oh, you know, the saying, do what you, do your passion, do what you want and the money will follow. Bullshit! I call bullshit! He's right. But that doesn't mean have commercial profit in incentives as your driving force and then money will follow. That's not, that, that one thing isn't true doesn't automatically make the dichotomy true. What is true is that if you do it right commercially, but then you, but, but, but then you, you, you're still doing this from the right place, is a golden ticket, man that all the big, Russell Brand, Joe Rogan, all the big ones that are successful did it like that. And we're going to get back to this in many, many future shows. But, you know, we have a gray ham waiting in the 
backstage here. We, we can't ramble on here. We have to wrap it up and invite him on here mm-hmm. now. Uh, let me just, uh, I well, said we should circle back to, to the, synchronicity. Yeah. yeah, you did it for yeah, me. I was going to prompt do that so you they for don't that. get pissed off. Of, Go ahead. Of false teasers. Yeah, I, I'm keeping this. Well, short. can I say? I was, can I say yeah. why? Sure, sure. Graham and Darren have a segment on their intro. Uh, which similar to this show, they do the intro sort of long form and then go into the guest interview. Um, yeah. And they, they have a segment where they, they read synchronicities that are submitted from the listeners. And uh, uh-huh. although I never, I at least I never heard them read one of my submissions, I definitely had several synchronicities. Uh, and that's part of what inspired me to start my own podcast but yes please tell us your synchronicity oh my god i should send this into them uh, but now i'm kind of ruining the virgin experience although i think i said this somewhere else in an interview but it's an insane one and i've had dozens of synchronicities in my life so but uh, we could talk about what that means and all that but that's for another time now i was uh, nine, 18, 18 years old yeah i just came out of my rebellious youth and here's the context. I was going to my mailbox. This I'm talking physical post mail, uh, which was the thing then. And uh, I got two letters there. One letter was from the police because I've been uh, doing some squatting, illegal squatting. You know what? We, we, we occupied houses. We not not to live in, but to start uh, activity for youths. We're protesting that they didn't like um, give a. So I was I was an activist kind of a re- rebel, uh, half criminal, and so this was like for the court case, and the case number was N seven six eight six. And, and uh, dash, is that what you say? Dash 7686. People who doesn't know me have to excuse that um, English isn't my primary language, as you can f- probably figure out from the thick accent. And uh, okay, so, and then another letter, I just applied to uh, what we could call a mystery school, an esoteric group, and I got my membership card. And the membership number was N7686. Now, just that those two numbers, there's a five-figure number here, right? Uh, identical is big enough, but they came at the exact same day. And you can imagine how paranoid I got. Of course, I thought, and this is something we could discuss another time, you know, conspiracy versus synchronicities. You know, some people would say, oh, God's invisible fingers. Others would say, no, no, oh, look, they are, this is rigged, they are... In the mace, like the masons, of course, they had people in the police. This was a hint to you, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that was my first thought. Oh, my God, they're on to me. They know that I did this criminal thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that stuck with me. Wow. Uh, you, you have to admit it's a good one, huh? Yeah, yeah. I apologize if I seem unimpressed. You've told me that before, but yeah, <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm it sh- was in your show I talked about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was my show, but, you know, I always bring up synchronicity. So here we are talking about it again. And, and I, I love that you shared that because it's, yeah. it's, it's bound to be time. a part of this show in some way or another. But just to reiterate, uh, you're about to listen to Al and myself interviewing uh, Graham Dunlop here on this show, which uh, 
is yet to be named, but I like the idea of, of it being some kind of board meeting. You know, we're, we're in a board yeah. meeting here, and uh, this is like Alt Media United headquarters. Uh, so who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll come up with a name by the next episode. But, uh, but until next time, or I shouldn't say that, enjoy this interview with Graham Dunlop. Make it so. particularly uh interesting topic because you know as a broadcaster from canada you know you you're you were considering maybe hosting your your files or at least your podcast in america um so that you'd be you know protected by the free speech are you still considering doing that uh or have you guys said you know yeah, we're just we, well, go. we have our files off site off site uh in different countries actually our, uh, our servers our server space um and it, it can go you know the audio format goes directly from there <clears throat> so but we also have free feeds like we have parallel feeds right now just to try and and keep people on the other ones as well but i mean it is it does seem to be the last bastion of free speech in some ways i mean unless you're too big for it right i mean i don't know like if if we were bigger, then we might run into problems. I don't know. I guess maybe not. Maybe no agenda doesn't run into problems yet. I don't know. I guess it's still, it's still there. The problem is we're siloed now as a, as a community. So, I mean, I don't know how much, how much more we can reach. Uh, the. I mean, I'd like to get into sort of some of my sort of philosophy on, on what's been happening lately. I don't know where are you, are we uh, going here yet or? Yeah, we we don't have to start just yet. I just kind of wanted to jog your brain. Somebody rang my yeah, doorbell yeah. though, so give me one second. Okay, sure. You could. Yeah, I thought so too. We could really have a cue for that, uh, but we are so, some guys like to some guys like to just like start like that. A lot of podcasts yeah. I listen to just start like that. So uh, oh, maybe we're already going. But yeah. yeah so like how you how you been? Good. Yeah, well, I'm good. Uh, to what you said. Um, it's so true. Uh, we all uh, ended up in echo chambers. I was yeah. thinking about it uh, the yeah. other day that it's true that the podcast platforms are still uncensored, but the algo is yes. still preferencing exactly. mainstream. Exactly. Right? That's exactly what I want to sort of talk about. And we're in an interesting spot because we didn't start in the culture war. Like a lot of podcasts started after the culture war went mainstream. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just got ding dong ditched on the podcast. Somebody rang my doorbell oh. and wasn't there. Oh my god! Wow. Hey boy, <laughs> getting, he's getting smarter. Yeah, it's oh, all of the so FBI. They're raiding Mark Steves because he's he's adjacent to Trump. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I said Trump too many times on my podcast. <laughs> now I'm considered one of the Proud Boys. <laughs> Great. They'll come right into your studio. And go. Sorry, we got the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is a whole that's a whole thing there. I you know when it comes to Alex Jones and people who are on that level, I think they need to consider hosting their their podcast in maybe the Philippines or somewhere else. But yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a added confidence when you're 
your stuff is sort of dispersed like that. I mean, do you feel a little more, and maybe I'm totally tangent. I don't know what you guys were just talking about, but do you feel a little more confident now that your servers are a little like dispersed and more secure? I mean, I remember when you guys went and uh, made the transition, it was big to do. And, and it's been a while now since you guys did that. How, how has it been since? Yeah, it hasn't really been noticeable. I mean, I, I feel like it, it, I guess it does feel like at least, you know, we have all our audio there. It's not like somebody can take it away from us. So that's good. But like, like Hermes and I were just talking about, uh, it's, it's one thing to be sort of uncensorable, but it's another thing to have no, no ability to reach people, right. Or reach new people. Yeah, we've been si we've been siloed a bit. And and I mean, I'd like to talk about this because I have some sort of philosophy a little bit. I've been thinking about this. What do you mean lately? by that silo? Because I hear people well, say that I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what it means. What's a, what's well, okay, your definition? So, so uh, before I go back into into the history and stuff, what we were talking about is. The culture war has gone mainstream now, right? So we and we started our show back in 2013. We were talking about UFOs and ancient mysteries, and of course, there was still a connection with the mainstream, sort of fucking with our information, you know, creating this sort of matrix of unreality for us. But now that now now we've sort of been we've been siloed now into the culture war, and and I'm fine with that. But it's it's changed. It's changed who we can reach. It's changed who finds our show. It changes our the guests that we can have on now. So back in that day when podcast, we were still wondering, like in 2012, 2013, we're like, is it too late to start a podcast and all this stuff? There's a lot of them out there already. And don't forget in 20, 2007, 2007, 8, you could still you could already find and learn about anything for free on podcasting at that point. I mean, I was looking at, Oh my God, there's like skeptics guide to the universe. There's uh, UFO paranormal. There's uh, Dan Carlin, um, all kinds of amazing stuff. You could learn about whatever for free back then. So we're, we were happy that we started it up and we thought, okay, there's still an untapped market here. Like still a lot of people don't listen to podcasts. Podcasting is still sort of a new thing, but Lately, and I still think it's great for people to start up. I mean, we're talking all all united here. I think it's fantastic, but we're already in the culture war. We've already been siloed. So now every mainstream news has their podcast. All the mainstream shows have their podcasts. Everybody has a podcast, including the researchers that we used to talk to back in 2012 when we were the platform for ancient mysteries or UFOs or paranormal or psychedelics or whatever. All now, a lot of the researchers, it's so easy to start your podcast. Now, all the researchers have their own platforms. So it that to me, that's that's changed a lot of the that's changed the environment that we're in now. But as far as the silo silos go, you know, we have PR people coming out to us uh, all the time asking to be on for their their clients to be on our show. Right. Whether that's outlawed or the, the original America show. So. We're, I'm happy we have that reach. We have a, a relationship with a bunch of PR companies that come to us say, hey, this this person's got this book out. They got this research out. They want to come on your show. Okay, fine. Sometimes I warn them and I say, are you sure that he wants to come on the show? Because when I research this guy, uh, you know, it, it might not be a good fit. Now, I'm not doing that necessarily because we don't want to talk to them. But it does make me think, do I want to talk to this guy who's going to talk about 
how religion and geopolitics and religion and national uh, nationalism, all this stuff. So anyways, the point being that sometimes I warn them. Sometimes I don't, I just do the research. We schedule these guests to come on the show and then the guests themselves end up researching us probably, you know, stepping on the, the PR people's toes or whatever. I mean, and then, then, and then they'd end up canceling. Right. Most of the time without saying a fucking word, they just ghost us. And then I look into them a little bit further and I'm like, Oh, well, no wonder why they don't want to come on the show. Cause they're fucking woke or whatever. Right. They don't want to come on a show that's talked about anti-jab or anti-trans or all the stuff that now we've been siloed into. So, so now we've, we've lost access to a lot of the researchers that we're willing to have a conversation with and maybe attract more people from the left or the middle or the woke crowd that we are okay with them listening to us. Like, sure, let's have a conversation about this stuff. Listen to us. So we've lost access to a lot of that now. And the PR, I mean, I, I'd hate to be a PR firm right now trying to navigate these waters. I mean, so I, the one example I'm, I'm bringing up, because this has happened a few times now. And it's disgusting when they don't even give you a reason. They just ghost you. It's like, you don't have the fucking respect. I read your fucking book and you don't have the respect to come back and say, hey, sorry, uh, we don't want to come on your show. That, that just shows you sort of like the authenticity of the other side. But on in this one case, I, I warned the PR guy and I said, hey, I don't know, like we're willing to talk to this guy, but you should probably just warn him that we don't look like we're, you know, we have matching ideologies. Oh, no, no, he'll be fine. So luckily I didn't do all the research because then back, you know, it comes closer to the time when I'm, I'm like, hey, reminding you the show's coming up. Oh, uh, yeah, it's he's not he says it's not going to be a good fit. So at least they have the guts to say it, even though I did warn them. Um, but we're willing to have those fucking conversations. But so that's so that's what I mean about now getting siloed. So not only do the researchers have a lot of their own platforms now, but who's going to, so here's another example. The mainstream in Canada, there's a, there's a couple organizations that are pushing back against this COVID stuff. There's some students for science that are, that are going through the science of what's been happening. And they're like trying to be this bridge between the students that are completely brainwashed by the schools and the media and the science, the science and the people, the people, the doctors and the scientists that are pushing back from this whole thing. So they're trying to bridge this. They, they can't send links to videos to people. I mean, they can, but what they're, what they're claiming is that I send somebody a link to rumble or to Rockfin, and it scares the shit out of them. Right. They look at all the content on these platforms. And if somebody's not, if somebody's coming from the mainstream even not even politically left, but just the, watching the TV every night, that scares the shit out of them, those platforms. So who's, who's going to come, you know, who that's not already watching rumble or Rockfin or odyssey. Like how, how do those people come over there now? Right. We're, we're getting siloed pretty quick and I can't tell what kind of market share is left that need, that can come over to our, to, to our silo. Cause I'm not being siloed on purpose. I mean, although I'm okay with it because I don't really want to fucking talk to the woke crowd, right? But um, it's happening hey. now. Yeah, can, can I budge in here or yeah, do you yeah. Can comment more? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was so. Yeah, go ahead, Al. Yeah, so um, 
I, I take issue with your extremely sim- simplistic uh, adjectives. Uh, what you're talking about is completely true, but it's much bigger than what you call left-right. Just buying yeah, into yeah, yeah, that totally. left-right thing is, is bullshit, right? It's about yeah, yeah, the mainstream and the independent. Uh, we could list a bunch of so-called left uh, uh, counterculture stuff that's still going on, right? So, yeah. But ju- that's just that. But you're right. And I think if someone asked me today, hey, I want to start up a podcast, you know, super late to the party. I mean, <laughs> uh, even not the, the after party is gone. But uh, how would I reach the most people the soonest? And I think exactly because of what you said, I think the easiest thing is if you choose a lane, like a topical lane, and you stick to that, and then you have like expert after expert on that particular topic, because then you can get a name. And when you, because I, I'm a variety show like you, Graham. And the problem with shows like ours, I'm sure you've experienced what I'm saying now, is let's say I invite someone in to talk about uh, weird science, right? That it's important for them to see that I have had other academics or scholars on because they because the problem today is the cancel culture. People are terrified. These people that are count, uh, canceling on us left and right, they're not canceling. They never even listen to our shows. They haven't even heard about us, but they see some stuff and they panic because, oh, now I'm going to be associated with that was never reality in the old days, in the old days, any uh, advertisement was good advertisement. Remember, right. so so now a variety shows like us. I, I I struggle to get on someone for that topic, and then they go on and they see, oh, here's something about weird esoterics. Oh, here's something about the gender game. Oh, here's something about UFOs. No, I, I'm out of here. This is <laughs> this is. And the UFO guy will do exactly the same. Yes. Why are they talking philosophy? Why are they talking politics? No, no, this is contentious. I'm out of here. And we lose everyone. Unless I would be sticking to, let's say, UFOs, and I would uh, then just see, hey, you want to come with Richard Dolan? Come on, look, I've had everyone on. Oh, I I feel comfortable. I can go on here. It won't ruin my, you know, I, I won't get in trouble. And this is the cancel culture thing. That has taken exactly. Over. That's what we're seeing. That's a great point. I mean, and this so it's so interesting to be watching this kind of in real time because it's really only been you know really since COVID. I mean, a little bit before, but I mean, I was just listening to Andrew Tate talk about his censorship. I mean, and it's exactly what you're saying. So it's the Matrix now. He says it's because he's against the Matrix. The Matrix presses a button, in his words, and Instagram Meta. YouTube, Twitter, Discord, Airbnb, Stripe, Uber, payment processing, banks, boom, gone. Cancel him right now. So, I mean, that might have a uh, sort of a Streisand effect and some negative repercussions that you're never going to see from somebody like like us. But only if you large. But that's not a political left right thing. That is the matrix and the independent. That's it right there. Andrew Tate is too big talking about the matrix, getting people to think for themselves. And regardless of whether you agree or disagree with some of his things that he says, like he wants people to think for themselves, cancel everything about him. Well, I might just be the naive new guy here, uh, you know, only starting my podcast in 2020. But when I hear you say that, Graham, I'm not really that worried because I feel like this imperative that's 
forcing people to authentically wake up, not this parasitic wokeness, but this real uh, awakening that's happening that would, you know, pro, you know, allow someone to be interested in your show or Al's show or my show. I don't think that force can be stopped. Uh, I think the the woke people are a minority uh, of of many disenfranchised groups that are just looking to feel empowered and going all the wrong ways about it. And then you have this sort of consensus of people who just don't want to be on the wrong side of society's shame wheel <laughs> that's always spinning and you might be on the wrong side of it if you're not careful, but that's the thing is like, Oh, you're, you're uh, shamed now. If you don't stand up and support the victim, you're shamed now. If you don't stand up and support the minority but what is a minority, you know, and we're not talking about race here. We're talking about groups of people and we're talking about one small group of people, uh, the 1% or the elite, the, this, the most powerful minority having rule over the rest of us and using uh, victims and smaller groups of people as like scapegoats, you know, to push this agenda along because they know that people will not, uh, go after them if they're wearing this sort of cloak of victimhood. Yeah. I applaud your, um, your glass half full kind of positivity, but I mean, look at what we're fighting against. I mean, look at the podcast movement and what just happened recently. I don't know if you guys heard about that, but I mean, it's just a no, complete, it's, it's a organization that's been around since uh, 2013 or 2014, maybe called the podcast movement, but they've gotten funding from all these woke corporations, the ESG thing. So they're basically pushing the agenda, the woke ESG agenda through podcasting. And they, I mean, they've had to apologize because uh, Ben Shapiro showed up at the conference and scared a bunch of people with his presence. Ooh, I mean, I this know. is how fucked it is. I, I mean, to hear the story is it's it's like right out of a fiction novel. I mean, you, you can't believe it has come to this. So they apologized to their crowd because Ben Shapiro showed up at this big conference because they sold his company a table to begin with. I mean, this is how insane it is. So they actually ended up apologizing uh, a few days a few days ago, I think, for this thing. But and Ben Shapiro is super mainstream. See how small the overtone window has become. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, you know, and they they think his presence is a threat, right? The, the you know people don't feel safe. I mean, it's it's my it's mind boggling. So my point is that we're competing with. Because we're value, a lot of us are value for value. We're by donations. We don't even want to do ads, right? I mean, it annoys me when when I have to fast forward through somebody's ad. But these guys have millions and millions of dollars and funding from the NGOs and the woke corporations. So this is what we're up against, right? So I applaud your positiveness for people that you know want to come and listen to our crazy alternative uh, media group shows. But um, we're up against a, a lot of funding from corporations mm. and governments who knows right yeah no and i don't i don't mean to dispel uh you know the motivation to figure out what's going on i've heard about the podcast movement adam curry talks about it every now and then that's probably where i heard it it's not in the top of my head but it doesn't seem like the consensus in podcasting is with us you know like i listen to a show called pod news and they're always like 
poo-pooing Joe Rogan any chance they get because he represents, you know, that same thing that Shapiro does, right? The alternative. Yeah, and when you look at Rogan compared to, like, someone like Tripoli or someone like yourself, like, Rogan, the conversations they're having are fairly tame compared to some of the conversations that are being held in the alternative sphere. So, yeah, it's definitely relative. Then you're judging Rogan by when he has a mainstream topic. I mean, he does platform UFO. He does platform uh, psychedelics. He does, I mean, he he, he platforms even um, uh, anti-censorship stuff, anti-COVID, all the things that you're not supposed to. Now, there are some big ones. And if you take a step back, I, I agree actually with Mark uh, that there's reason to be optimistic because if you take a step back, look at the huge ones that are consistently spewing counterculture points and not and they're too big to to take down so far. I'm thinking of um, Jimmy Dore. I'm thinking of uh, Russell Brand. I'm thinking of uh, Joe Rogan. Now, thing is, the reason they're panicking. And this goes to some news we, we shared in another episode about how the Intel organizations has taken over the Internet. They are, you know, bots, all this stuff. The, the thing is, before 2016, I would say it was a window there between maybe 2008 and 2016. The elites panicked because information was still free, although you, uh, YouTube, um, Google, all this started the rigging. It wasn't overt. It was just whispers over the grapevine, remember? Shadow banning became a word. And the reason they panicked is because it was on, 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 on speed, the, the overturn, the, the paradigm shift was on speed. More and more po- people were waking up to the fact that, you know, we can't agree about anything. And thank God for that. And we, yes, we are a, we are a niche within a niche. But... Everybody can agree about the problem, and that's that the mainstream, call it what you will, the neolibs, the illusions they are spewing in the propaganda media, is bullshit. More and more people walk up to that, and it led to stuff like Brexit and Trump and uh, other manifestations. I mean, uh, the truckers, <laughs> who are mostly Indian, but somehow became uh, white supremacists, the, the farmers uh, rising up in Holland, the the uh, orange west yellow west whatever it's called so there is unrest all over the world and they have completely stopped reporting on it in the old days they would report they would report on unrest but they will spin it to undermine it now they even ignore it that's how terrified they are so if they weren't terrified they wouldn't impose all these desperate measures now and even with the enormous rigging we see and everything i'm saying now it's a matter of documented, objective facts, so anyone can look this up for themselves. And that's that they have extremely many people on the payroll. Uh, it's like extremely many bots and paid actors in order to try to seem like the mainstream support is the majority. That's their game. They have to pretend that it's the majority. And we start thinking it. But remember how fast we grew, Graham before this happened. Remember how fast we grew. If we were given a chance, we would be much bigger than all the mainstream channels. And we still are. Look at CNN. Even our releases on YouTube get more than CNN. 
So uh, the, the, the good news is that we have reality and people on our side. The bad news is that they are strangling our ways to reach them. And then we have to be creative. And what Mark here has created, well, together with me and Alex, but uh, I'll give Mark a lot of kudos for for. Uh, carrying the, the brunt of the work is there is uh, such a thing as Alt Media United because if we have own people like you Graham we eventually when our little show is bigger because we have own members of the United all of them will talk about it to their uh, audience and that synergy effect that will then so when they did comment oh Graham Dunlop who's that oh a new show Bam. So we have to be creative. We have to think new ways to reach people. And the only way is to pull together. If we bury ourselves in the silos you're complaining about, we drown in these echo chambers and eventually we will decay. That's what they're hoping for. So we need to cooperate. We need to reach out. We need to start massaging each other because that's the only way networking like that like creating a parallel independent network to the mainstream is how we are eventually going to win this fight. Sorry for going on. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's, I think it's great. Anything that we can do to sort of help, help each other along the way, you know? Yeah. Well, and we need an infrastructure in the real world. You know, that's the small benefit that we have with our website, Alt Media United is, you know, one thing when people search the name of a podcast if it happens to be a podcast on alt media united there's a good chance one of the top five search results is going to be our alt media united page which takes a person to a place where their content is in whole rather than a part because if you notice when you google search or duck duck go search a podcast name Generally, you'll get the Apple link at the top yeah, or the yeah, Podbean. Yeah, yeah. It's or, hard to, yeah, you yeah. know, for yourself, you have, you know, you're hosted by yourself. Your website hosts your podcast. So for your show, it's easy to find your website. Uh, but with Alt Media United, that has been, you know, one of the biggest benefits I've noticed is being searchable because they use these algorithms to prevent people from being found and and there are little tricks you could use with uh you know your website putting the right tags and such so that you're found but if you don't know that i mean how do you get around those algorithms so how do we reach the people how do we reach the people without using instagram and twitter and youtube um how do we reach the people that want more information and are stuck sort of in this where do i go for more information outside of the mainstream like how do we as podcasters reach those people yeah let me question you about uh, what you guys did you told me that when we talked when are you invited me on your show so uh, i want you to tell our audience here uh, what you did because let me just preface that with the fact that uh, podcasts are the last remnant of independent uncensored shows and as we lamented right before we came on they're still rigging the algorithm so they're still trying to show all the podcasts that are uh, on the acceptance list yeah, but exactly. at least they're not at least, yeah, but at least they're not doing what YouTube does right uh, they yeah. cannot do that yet yeah. but we all agree that they are looking for ways to do it and to, you know it's it's like uh, you know the canary in the mine is when mainstream um, uh, corporate media starts complaining and talking about it and they've done already oh we have to do something about podcast oh it's dangerous disinformation so we talked about this uh, some time ago uh, Graham and 
You told me you did something to ensure that they couldn't uh, take you down. What was that? Well, it's it's similar to like what the No Agenda show does too. Is 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 it's all based on this RSS feed, right? Now I, I'm going to try and explain it a little bit, but Darren, my co-host, is the one that sort of does it all technically. But I mean, we're we're basically pointing, uh, locating our audio on servers that are not um, available to uh, the hosting platforms, and we can just supply the RSS feed through those through whatever podcasting uh, app or device you want to use. Um, so even like our, our subscriber based thing is an RSS feed with a, with a password. And um, that's how you support the show too, is you can use a, you know, sign up, get a password and thing. You put it in your podcast player and you get the, our, our premium feed, our plus feed from directly from the server. So it doesn't have to go through this sort of Apple mainstream kind of, um, uh, what would I call it? An the, index. Uh, like, yeah, like the index. Yeah. 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 And that's. Will it still show up there? Well, that that's the thing that, yes, it will. It, it, his show is still available in the Apple index. It's just that Apple isn't the only one in control of it, right? So Graham is constantly sending his RSS feed to every app that distributes podcasts. And if one of those places chooses to turn the Grimerica show off, that doesn't affect Graham's server. People can still go to his website to get the show or another place to get the show previous to, uh, you know, that change you made and the change that Adam Curry made to the index, you know, Apple had the only index. So if Apple yeah, chose... Okay, that makes sense. Let yeah. me be the fool's advocate and ask you guys, uh, if you do it like that, uh, will... Um uh, will you just be if you don't do it like that? You just are at risk if the host turns you off, right? Otherwise, you're still going um, to everything. Yeah. So, like, let's say we go through liberated syndication for our free feeds, right? For our, our other feeds, right? Libsyn is the one that we use, and they push when we upload to them. They push it through all to all the other platforms, right? All the all the Apple and and uh, all the all the other podcast apps and stuff, and YouTube to as audio only, um, they could essentially, they could, if they, if they shut us down, like if they canceled us, then that would be a problem for our other shows, right? Like any show that we weren't doing directly from our server. Um, but they're, they're pretty good so far, but I mean, Spotify's messed, messed us up a couple of times. They've deleted old episodes. I mean, they just go through these weird sort of censorship sprees where they go back to an episode from a year ago or something that we're talking about the jab and they delete our episodes. And then they come to us through email and want us to be a part of their, their new, uh, what is that one? That loud voice or that, uh, right. Well, that's yeah, another si like, silo tag. You're, you're, you're deleting our episodes and you want us to come and join up your like new platform? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a silo tactic. And and not to mention um, those really awful disclaimers they put on every episode, even if you only say the word like a similar word to COVID. If you say a word that rhymes with COVID, they'll put a disclaimer on your episode in the Spotify app that says like, for information about COVID-19, I don't know if this is in every country, but here in the States... We get that. And I just encourage my audience, listen on whatever app you want. But if you want the best experience, go to Podcast Addict. If you have Apple, go to Podverse. Those are my favorite apps. Spotify, 
Apple, you know, they're, they're competing. It, they put ranks and charts and reviews and all that stuff takes away from the authentic experience of just listening to a show. I mean, yes, we appreciate the reviews. Uh, I certainly appreciate reviews on my family thinks I'm crazy, but you know, what am I going to do? Live my whole life based on how people review a show. Like I, I feel like that's a sort of negative thing anyways that we shouldn't be yeah, paying yeah. attention to yeah. my my iphone's not up to date enough for some of those apps <laughs> yeah exactly well, and it, good for you because that's like such a hard thing to even have a device that old now right they're constantly breaking and trying to get you to update to these more restricted pieces of technology i mean i'm crossing my fingers and hoping my laptop stays intact because i don't want windows whatever is after Eight, you know, whatever I have now is fine. I don't want Windows 10, 11, and all that stuff. So we had Dell Big Tree on in 20. I think this is the first time we noticed like an actual shadow banning in iTunes. Um, we we had Dell Big Tree on in 2017 or 2018. Maybe we were talking about jabs, jabs before COVID. And um, and we noticed a shadow banning from iTunes, like from the main storefronts in iTunes. Um, so that's the, that's the problem Hermes is that like you, like we were talking about earlier is, is who, you know, we, we've lost that ability to sort of like come across our show on accident in a way, right? Although it's safe, it's safe from deletion and censorship. We've still lost to the algorithms in a way, not lost, but it's still the discoverability isn't the discoverability is not there. Yeah. And, and that's another reason why I think alt media United can help you know, with that, because a person finds another show, which is now associated with Alt Media United, then thereby they're able to find all these other shows to, to your question before about like, well, how are we going to go around this? My instant thought was analog. I mean, I know we're all over the map, but if we could make it really easy for our listeners to print something out that they could then go and paste up in their local area, I mean, how how come I'm not already doing that? How come we're all not already doing that? I mean, it's such a simple. Well, it's it's way. hard because when your when your life and your work is online, it's hard right. to now all spend your day driving around your local city too. I mean, I that sounds it's a bit of an excuse for me because I I could do that, but I mean, I got so much to do. I hear you from the home office now. I mean, I guess I'd have to change my priorities around, but I feel I've been thinking about that too. Like, ah, man, I should probably just be on the street more. Well, and we had and, Billboard Chris on, and he just he's had like eight thousand <laughs> conversations just with people because he wears a fucking sign on the street and talks to people. We we're back to that, right? The end is nigh. <laughs> or oh, the old Alex Jones, uh, you know, the shout out thing. What you call it in English? Where you screen through that gizmo to be heard. Oh, yeah. I oh, guess yeah, I guess yeah. we have to go analog. The, me the megaphone, the megaphone. The megaphone. Actually, that's the app. That's the app that Spotify was trying to get us to sign up for. It's oh, like megaphone. you idiots. You know, you're censoring us. You're the other half of your. You know, the back office of your company censoring us and. Now the front office in your marketing department wants us on your megaphone. Right. <laughs> it's like a, a ten-headed dragon dealing with these companies, you know. They're all fighting with each yeah. other and us. But I think that's okay, what it is. Them, I mean, okay, doing... We call them many-headed trolls. Ah, okay. Straight from mythology. Remember, we talked about this, Graham. Yes. Uh, and if anyone wonder who Hermes is, that's just Graham's uh, nickname for me. Oh. Well, I knew... I. I I knew you guys knew each other, but I didn't know you knew each other that well. Okay, cool, Hermes. Uh, I call you Al, but I guess we're not friends yet. Um, 
So I'm wondering, you know, when it comes to analog, what are your thoughts on these live events you've been doing, Graham? Because you guys are innovating this space. I think you're doing some really unique, fun get togethers with your audience. Um, that's the kind of thing I see podcasts doing to promote. You know, you get out there, you, you start generating interest because people just want to go out and do something fun and different. Maybe they hadn't even heard of the podcast before, but you have some event somewhere, maybe not like a contact at the cabin. That's kind of a planned event, but you know, sort of spur of the moment events, get togethers. This is the kind of thing that can generate interest. Have you guys considered doing that with your experience now doing all these get togethers? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great idea. That's a good, good point actually. Cause I, you know, I kind of do forget that we are doing some analog things with these events. I mean, we had, we kind of had the idea to have instead of these conferences, like the conferences on ancient mysteries that we used to go to, where you'd meet sort of all the researchers and you'd sort of really love hanging out with a bunch of like-minded people for a weekend, but maybe have it a little bit more intimately. So instead of having a book, you know, 12 speakers over a weekend, you just have one speaker or two speakers come to a smaller event with, you know, 20 to 50 people that listen to the show or that follow those researchers and speakers. And you just have a weekend together, kind of like an intimate sort of conference. So we started doing that. And I mean, some of the good ones, like we have one, two weeks coming up with Randall Carlson touring the Scablands in Washington. I mean, and it's just always filled with amazing people, you know, that are very present, very down to earth. You can talk to about anything. And I mean, so that's part of, I guess, like what Hermes was talking about, about, um, it's almost like a metaphysical thing with the all united getting together and creating this sort of, um, I can't remember the word he used, but it's, it's very similar to that too. So we have people from you know, different. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because it's, uh, Randall has been building his own, he invited me on his own, um, like, you know, there's always someone who wants to try to compete with the big platforms. Right. So yeah, it's yeah, right. Yeah. What you say that, uh, you know, it's so annoying that every, <laughs> author and researcher are now uh, bro broadcasting themselves. It's very hard. You know, new people want to get on. But isn't that uh, a good still. thing, though? I feel like that's a good thing. I mean, now at least you know your your guest is going to have good equipment and they're going to have an audience to right. promote it to once they've been on your show. I feel like it's a mutually beneficial thing. I know how you might feel like, oh, well, what's the point of them listening to our two-hour conversation with them when there's 20 hours of them talking about this stuff in depth? But the same extent, I mean, Graham, I listen to your show because I like you and Darren's mm. banter. I like the questions you come up with. I like the thoughts. I like the places you take the conversation. I don't know if a researcher is going to do that without you two, yeah. you know, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not against, I don't have any real positive or negative uh, feeling about it. It's just, to me, it's just the way the environment's changing. It's right. just an acknowledgement of the changing uh, environment True. right now. That's yeah, you, you, we, we have to up our game because of that. If you still have something special, like what uh, Gramerica's got going, then, you know, they want the Gramerica experience, right? They want the skeptical experience, right? So, so yeah, I, I, I'm not saying that's negative. And you're right to ever the sunshine perspective from you, Mark. You're right that, yes, it will. Yes, uh, the equipment the upgrade has been amazing. But the negative thing about it is what Graham said. It's the siloing. It's further 
dismantling disintegration of well, what used can I, to be like huge. Can I add to this? Because yeah, sure. I think, Graham, you have a very unique perspective on this. And what I've noticed is that the paranormal community, because of this political situation, they've gravitated away from conspiracy and into this new term that they created a few years ago called high strangeness. Have you noticed? Yeah. And I use the term. I don't think it, uh, it's a political term. I say high strangeness all the time. But I feel like they're more comfortable with that for some, like they've gravitated into this new territory. One guy, I don't want to call names out, but I will for the sake of this, uh, Mitch Horowitz. He's a very interesting researcher, but he's a very pronounced leftist. So it's impossible to get him on a show like mine because I've had David Icke. I've had Michael Hoffman, you know, these guys who... You know, all it takes is a quick search for Horowitz to do, and he realizes, like, oh, okay, I don't agree with his past guests, so I probably won't agree with this guy. Meanwhile, me, like you said, uh, Al, ever sunny, I'll, I'll agree with anybody. I like to talk to people I disagree with. I'll find some common ground. But it is it is a challenge when they ghost or, or don't even respond. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult. Well, I think COVID has, has, has ramped that up a lot now. I mean, even like, so every group, the UFOs, paranormal, the go, the ghost groups, the, uh, I mean, even like some of the people that sort of ghosted us were from this sort of uh, shamanic sort of group too, right? So, so COVID and the woke, it, to me, it's attached, has, has split up every kind of even like yoga and alternative healing. And even we had a feminist on recently talking about uh, these women's groups who were split from COVID. I mean, the, even, even these, these feminists that are upset with the patriarchy and, and the, the mainstream in that way are all of a sudden on big pharma's side. So the COVID's made it difficult because it's also split everybody up another way now. And it's, it's kind of like, you have to kind of pick your side now. Yeah. But um Look, that's the, again, that's a narrative coming from the top, right? That's the divide and conquer. It's worked wonders for them because they were losing before that. And, 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 and after all, it's still a, a thing out there among mainstreamers that conspiracy just means uh, spoiler, spoiler alert, right? <laughs> Every mainstreamer is starting to get that. But the positive thing and I, that, that, that's why I'm against this left-right thing. It's so American. First of all, what you guys call left wouldn't even pass for, for not even center here in Europe. That's number one. Number two, it's become, it's, it's become detached from politics. If you go to real leftists, you'll see that they are on, on, on the side of the counterculture. And that's the cool thing that people will see if they don't silo themselves to news sources. I make a point out of trying to tune into so-called, you know, people who are branded as leftists and people who are branded as rightists. But you know what happens to leftists who walk off the reservation, the mainstream reservation? They become branded like right-wingers. So right-wing has become like this uh, magical term for cancelling. So, but if you look at, if you, if you turn off from that, and you deliberately look into all sorts of counterculture, all sorts of independent sources like I do, then you will see that there's a growing awareness now of the need to band together. Like it's a centralism versus decentralization. It's the elite, the oligarchs versus the majority, the people. And so now so-called left and right are finding common grounds because we all agree that 
you know, we can go back to the old school. Should we have a, you know, should we have a socialist-run healthcare? Should we have a capitalist-run? Those things are anachronisms today because they mean nothing as long as we are being censored and we're being and the elites are taking over. The one percenters are now taking over everything due to their minions in politics, in deep state, etc., in banks, etc. So, what matters now? is that we don't fall for that diversive, diverging language. And we try to find common ground, as I think Mark said. And uh, when a guest self-cancels out of fear, I don't become angry because I, I, I they, they, you know, we are keeping our finger on the pulse. We know what's going on. They are not. So they are even more clueless, right? So they're just operating out of fear due to the co- uh, contemporary culture, the zeitgeist. So we have to turn around that zeitgeist and get on as many as we can that we do disagree with on exotic matters, find common grounds on the basic, fundamental matters. And from there we build, and that's what the elites are fearing most of all, that all sorts of divided people are coming together. For example, in politics, they're afraid of, you know, left right uniting for a populist perspective against elite. So we have to we have to be in the vanguard of that. We can't fall for the divide language. We can't fall for the divide terms. And uh, um, yeah, just try to, to see if we can build a huge community that can fight against this. We can't fall for the group thing. I mean, I read this book. Yep. I, nar- I narrated this book. We have it out on audio now called The Behavior of Crowds from Everett Dean Martin. And it's from the early 1900s. And he was talking about back then how public opinion can be manufactured like bricks. And what happens when they get they get stuck in the group thinking when that when the 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 group that's leading society falls, which they inevitably dissolve. And the the next one that comes in is just full of group think too, and it just destroys itself as well. So I mean, it really made me think reading this book that we like we have to be careful as well not to fall into group think, right? How do we because we don't have a lot of physical people in the group, but we have globally now internet people in our group. How do we stay away from group think? And when he says group think, it's, it's uh sorry, when he says crowd crowds, it's not like crowd as a lot of people. It's like group think is what he means. So mm. um, I'm sort of using, using contemporary terms. Well, echo chamber. Yeah. 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 Echo, so echo chamber. We... What's that? I, I'm just making sure Hermes said echo chamber and not echo chamber. Yeah. Okay, yeah, echo, echo, echo chamber. But I, you know, I don't know if uh, you know. You might be in an echo chamber without groupthink. I don't think it's it's one and the same. I think it one leads to the other, maybe. Um, mm. Well, and, and I think people would accuse um, this community of having that aspect of echo chamber and and that's why it's so difficult when certain people ghost on you because it's like hey we're trying to reach out to alternative viewpoints here and and they won't uh you know they won't play ball so yeah it definitely can seem that way from the outside looking in but i i I don't know i mean personally i wonder if we're looking at this on too small of a scale like maybe i'm again maybe i'm i'm naive but do you think from a, a larger perspective, larger than just our lifetimes, do you think that in a way what has happened with the internet is evolving towards something that is inevitably good and right now we're sort of just like 
growing through the early chaos development stages. You know, it's like a human life. Like when you're a kid, you need somebody to take care of you because your life is just chaotic. You know, you don't know any better. You, you're pooping. You don't realize that you're throwing it all over the place. You need someone to clean you up, you know, like maybe we're just in that early infantile stage of the internet. And that's what this looks like culturally and societally. I've thought about that. Yeah. I hope I, I've thought about that. And from a positive as, aspect as well, hopefully we can grow out of it, but I, I guess it, it just, I guess there's kind of a race for control, right? Is it going to stay open or is it going to be controlled? I mean, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Have you seen the latest uh, way they try to do that? What's it's, that? Uh, have you have you listened to Jimmy Core? What's he called? Bright Insights, ancient oh, stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a few videos now about how the uh, he says deleting the internet. That's not oh, exactly right. what they're doing. They're just tightening the door. So Google, if you Google anything, you will get. Um, about 20 or 40 pages but the, the, even that's uh, and then it's, it would say oh we found a billion matches but they know most people I think it's like 95% of all people just stay on page one so all they have to do is put the mainstream stuff there always Wikipedia top right but it's worse than that uh, if when you try to go to page 20 page 40 page 60 bam suddenly it's just let's say 50 pages or 40 pages. So uh, they are lying. In the old days, people made a sport out of see how far they could go. And you could go like hundreds of pages, thousands of pages, can't anymore. And not only that, the last 10 pages is a repeat well, of the same Is it that you search. can't anymore or is it that you your, your conventional way to access it has been funneled away? Because I play exactly. around on the it's internet. I found a website called windows.93.net and inside of this emulator website of what the internet was like in 1993, I was able to find websites that don't exist now. Like they only exist in this emulator. It's using the Wayback Machine or something like that. But it was really neat to go and type in Illuminati and see what search results came up for the Illuminati in 1993 compared to now. Uh, there was a lot of interesting stuff that has been censored. Uh, but yeah, people should go and check that out. Windows.93.net, I'm pretty sure is the URL. But yeah, you're right, Al. It's They've siphoned us out of the resources that used to be available and into these social media silos to it's, it's a search I, engines that's that's the problem they so yeah. you have to get better like i don't know if brave is better but i'm i'm i've just switched to them but graham um we are running out of time and i want you uh, to present grammarica for the audience for those who doesn't know anymore what can they get from the grammarica experience well, from the original Grammarica experience, the Grammarica show, we get we talk about all kinds of stuff. I mean, psychedelics, spirituality, UFOs, uh, ancient mysteries, um, all kinds of stuff. We, we started up a new show, a separate feed completely called Grammarica Outlawed, where we kind of tackle the more sort of censorious, controversial topics. Um, it's a whole separate feed. And the second half is uh, is subscriber only. Um, that's that can all be found at grimerica.ca. So we've we've we're sort of hitting sort of like the trans issue a little bit more now. Like 
Darren, my co-host, his um, his drills are starting to grow up, um, and he's sort of seeing how quickly this has spread into Canada and how he's kind of having to navigate this. So we decided to sort of, I mean, we're getting siloed anyway, so it, it's kind of, you know, in some ways it's sort of pushing you further, like they say, to fight that. So we're going to, you know, fight a little harder in the culture war, stick to sort of more of these censorious things. So the, the anti-jab stuff, the kind of COVID tyranny and totalitarianism, the trans stuff, um, hit some of that a little harder. And then we have our audiobook page, uh, adultbrain.ca we've done a whole bunch of audiobooks like 70 or 80 audiobooks uh esoteric stuff i mean i've been really fortunate to have been able to read um a bunch of authors like manly p hall um alvin boyd coon blavatsky um Nesta these Webster, are old things where there's no copyright anymore there yeah yeah exactly yeah so you know a lot of a lot of really cool books we've got there on audio and uh, our trips are at uh, Contact at the Cabin, but that's also reachable from grimerica.ca where we do these these small events and trips. We have one coming up in February, uh, Magic on the Mountain. Greg Carlwood's joining us for that too. We have Joe Roop and Owen Hunt and Brandon Powell doing sort of like uh, stuff for us, you know, sort of manifestation and magic kind of stuff, shamanic stuff in uh, Mount Shasta. So all that can be found there too. Right cool. on. But when you started up on uh, uh, Gramerica on sense, what, what did you call it, Gramerica? Gramerica Outlawed, yeah. Outlawed. Isn't that like creating a brand new podcast from scratch? Yeah. Did you get all your listeners over? Uh, yeah, well, quite a few of them, yeah. I mean, we had a, we had sort of a feed called the Black Budget feed that we were playing around with for a while. And it was kind of like supposed to be sort of like for, like it was sort of a separate feed that we would, but it wasn't sort of paywalled and it wasn't, um, uh, I don't know if it was, I guess it wasn't really officially out there. So we were trying to decide how to do extra, sort of additional extra content. We had a Rockfin channel for a while. Uh, we did a bunch of stuff on there. We still have that channel, but we decided to go sort of put our energies more into this audio only um, extra an extra feed. So and these are like hour and a half, two hour episodes. Actually, we've we've been putting we've been pre uh, previewing some audio books in there, too. Like the history of magic is in there. And Manly P. Hall's I seeing sort of Manly P. Hall's all seeing eye newsletter from the night early 1900s is going to be in outlawed as well so yeah we're trying to you know um sort of combat uh the censorship and, and do that with a whole separate podcast feed so we your mo yeah is your normal mo to be to do long form yeah mm. okay yeah you, and you got I, a book you want to show us mark well I just want to say, as a fan of the Grimerica show for many years, I think you guys are doing a great job. I think you're uh, killing it with the audio, so I appreciate that focus. Yeah, yeah. I think I've been battling with that myself, is like, don't spread yourself too thin. You know, I put a lot of work into my production, and and uh, I've been trying to do the videos as well, but now I'm, like, spending hours on the website, like, figuring out how to work these videos things, so... Yeah, you know, you got to spread spread your time wisely. But this book I wanted to show is just a suggestion for maybe Graham to cover. It's a shorter book. It's not that big, but this would be a great audio book. Word to the Wise, you might be familiar with it. It's sort of like Manly P. Hall's guide to reading his work. Like, And, and 
it's interesting because it comes from the perspective of the time period he was in and he's very careful to warn people like you know don't join up with any groups like here's what you know the wrong groups will say to you here's what the right groups will say to you and it's interesting how applicable that information and advice still is a hundred years later. Oh yeah. He was really, <laughs> he was really hard on the, the lazy occult students. You know, he was pretty much like, Hey, you know, don't fall for this. Don't fall for that. Work hard. Do your, you know, put your yeah, effort he's in. You see how wrong it could go with gold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was against, I mean, he had the, the against vaccinations too. And he has a really interesting little story called the dope problem about, uh, about addiction um, yeah, Rud Rudolf Steiner had some amazing precognitions about uh, banks. Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting. Seen the quotes. In, yeah, in, yeah. In the rounds. I mean, I want to I want to plug Darren's books quickly too before I forget because Darren wrote a couple books. Uh, one called "A Canadian Shame" about uh, residential schools, and that's on audio as well. Um, and that's going over the Indian Act and what the government sort of put the Indigenous peoples through. Uh, the Catholic Church, the British Empire, and the Canadian government. And then also, uh, in their own words, it's not out on audio yet, but he's got it out there. And that's like stories of the people from the residential schools. Uh, it's a whole bunch of different, they're all categorized sort of differently. You know, good experiences, bad experiences, uh, you know, negative stuff in there as well hmm. from their experiences at the residential schools in Canada. Well, I love it. I love following what you guys do. Send Darren our best and have a great trip over there uh, in the Scablands and then at Mount Shasta. Is there, what's the next one that's not sold out that people can? Uh, uh, actually, there's a couple spots open for Scablands with Randall Carlson. Oh, cool. I mean, there's, uh, people can get in there last minute. There's only, only a couple spots left, but uh, that's in September. I think there's spots in February for Mount Shasta too. And then there's 420 event and I uh, contacted the canyons in uh, Bryce Canyon, right between Bryce Canyon and uh, what's the other one? Zion in, in Utah, uh, Duck Creek, Utah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shoot, Graham, thank you so much for being here on all media United, a podcast dedicated to free speech, sovereignty in podcasting. And you and Darren have been, uh, role models and examples of what to do right as a podcaster. So thank you so much for uh, for taking us on this journey with you uh, for many years now. And, and thanks for joining us here, brother. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah. I love you both. It's been great. And that was our conversation with Graham Dunlop, one part of the two-part force that is the Grimerica Show, you can find them at grimerica.ca. They also have their second, more uh, controversial show called Grimerica Outlawed, which you can find at the same website. Uh, Darren Grimes and Graham also narrate audiobooks. Uh, you can find those at adultbrain.ca. And uh, yeah, I think Graham is somebody who we ought to have back on in the future, maybe check back in with uh, in a couple of months. We're going to have a Darren on anyway. Right. I don't know if he, we, did we talk about that in the show or was that talked about I think behind we, the scenes? Yeah, I think that was behind the scenes before we started recording. But either way, if it was mentioned, then the folks know. If they didn't know, now they know. Hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, let me say, uh, you said how you discovered them. I um, discovered them uh, from Alex, Skeptical Alex. Mm. 
he talked about that I should check them out or something. Mm. Um, and then they were so courteous to have me on their show. Um, we did an episode there. I think they liked it. They say it had a good uh, listener. You know, I, I'm I'm um, hard to get, as they say. <laughs> I haven't done that many interviews. Mm. So um, um, if anyone really want to hear just from me, then uh, uh, Grimerica is one of the places where they are picking my brain. But uh, we got to pick the grey ham's brain now. And uh, I, I really liked it because they have something to contribute. They uh, have their own way of doing things. They are seasoned mm. in this game. Well, and, then uh, uh, it was useful to hear hear the, him explain this. He's a perfect guest for our first episode because he, they're an exemplary model of what a podcast should be. Not only is their show self-hosted, uh, but it hosted on its own server so they're taking that extra step to make sure their content is secure no matter how far and wide it reaches no matter how big it gets if they get to that joe rogan level uh, and they have the whole world looking at them uh nobody can shut them down you know yeah. that's london that's real the idea did that you know the london real he has uh, he just interviewed uh, robert kennedy jr um, oh wow yeah, and, uh, you know, he's being censored left and right. So he live streams stuff. He's been so censored that he has his own live stream thing going. I'm not technically savvy enough to explain how that works. But, yeah, so he, he it's kind of the same thing that they did, uh, only is for live streaming. So people, so and he, he does what many people do. We talked about, you know, YouTube in the intro. And so... Many people, they just put out a segment of the full thing on YouTube as a teaser to lure people into the uncensored version where you don't get strikes and all that. And mm. in fact, now after COVID, I have to do the same with my shows, Forum Borealis. I have to, there's, I cannot uh, any longer uh, upload full shows there because one thing is being demonetized, which happens left and right with my shows. But you don't want these so-called community strikes. That's an excuse to take down your channel. Mm. So, but we'll get more back to that in the future. Next uh, time we hook up here, Mark, who's uh, who's on the agenda? Well, we'll be speaking with Ricky Verandez in episode two of the yet-to-be-named podcast for the Alt Media United Cooperative, the official podcast of <laughs> Alt Media United, the only uh, sponsor of this show so far. Uh, and we always have to give a big shout-out to our number one supporter, our patron saint of free speech and podcasting, Alex Sakaris of the Great and Holy Skeptico podcast. And I don't know how he would appreciate me calling his podcast holy, but uh, he is quite a character and we couldn't have done it without him. So since this is the first episode, I just want to give a big thank you to him. And we'll actually have him on as a guest. Of course. We'll definitely have him on as a guest and... Uh, and I think people will uh, have to wait for that one for a little while because we have quite a few really great episodes recorded yeah. already in the bank and some archived episodes from last year when I started this project uh, and I had the idea to do a podcast with the cooperative. It didn't really pan out uh, until Al and I joined forces. So here we are uh, revamping that sort of uh, dusty 
idea that was left in the basement of Alt Media United. Here it is in the light of day for all to you, behold. <laughs> you, you can't get wrong with some um, Aurora Borealis magic on top of mm, Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So with that, this folks. This was cool, Mark. Thanks a, thanks a lot for, the, for this session. Thank you. Thank you for joining me here. Be seeing you. Be seeing you.